So uh, today, my heart is so full. I can't tell you how full my heart is. We're excited about Chattanooga. We're excited about going. We're excited about what God is going to do, not only here in North River, not only in the Southeast, but in Chattanooga as well. And also, I wanted to take one minute, if you will allow me, to introduce my lovely wife, Toby Hedrick. Have her stand on up. Besides God, she is the reason I'm here today. Yeah, it's true. So I was deciding, or trying to decide, what I wanted to talk about today to my family, to my friends. Because there's a lot that I've learned over the past three years. You know, you learn a lot in three years, don't you? Good things and bad things. So I wanted to share both with you. So I prayed, I walked around the neighborhood, tried, God, just give me the right message, the right thing to study out this morning. So I walked around for about an hour or so, just praying that the Spirit would speak to me. And, and so I felt like you did. And then, like every wise husband, I asked my wife. And I said, what do you think I need to talk about this morning? And she said, you know what? Your conviction on prayer has really changed in the past three years. Why don't you talk about that? And I said, that's a great idea. Because <laughs> my conviction has changed about prayer. Because I love studying the Bible. I love sharing my faith. I love fellowship. But I didn't really love to pray. And since I came here, it has changed. And I tell you what, if you get this in your life, if you understand the importance of prayer, it'll change your life. It's a game changer. I guarantee you, it has been for me. So why don't we go to God and pray, and then we'll get started with the little Bible study. You guys ready? Okay, let's pray. Father, we just want to come here and just uh, thank you for our lives. Thank you for all the blessings that you put in our lives. Many blessings are sitting around us right now. Just our kids, our family, our friends. Just this beautiful day you've given us to really enjoy. Father, we uh, just really pray right now that our hearts will be open to the scripture that you'll work through the scripture. Father, that you will get me out of the way, that I will say exactly what you want me to say. So God, we love you, we thank you, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You know, I'm getting a little feed, do you guys hear that? That bothers me, does it bother you? But you guys are doing an outstanding job up there, aren't they? You don't want to make those guys mad. They'll turn you off like that. <laughs> let me make an assumption here. My mom always told me not to make an assumption, but let me make one. Since you're a church 
this morning, I'm assuming you want to grow in your relationship with God. Is that a fair assumption? You could be at the gym right now, but you're here at church. So how do we grow in our relationship with God? How do we pray those prayers that change the world? How do we pray prayers that change the people around us? How do we do that? What kind of heart do we need to have? What kind of mind do we need to have? What does our posture need to be when it comes to this vertical relationship with God? What does that really look like? It's a game changer if you get it. Martin Luther King Jr. said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Have you ever gone without breath for a day? I don't think you would be here. Have you gone without breathing for two minutes? That's tough. But being a Christian without prayer, we go without a lot, don't we? Hey, I'm an offender too. So how important is it to pray? To beg God? How important should it be in our lives? What is the heart we need to have when we come to pray? What is the power at our disposal when it comes to prayer? So let's study that out together. Turn your Bible to Matthew 21 verse 13. guys there? Good. Matthew 21 verse 13. We'll start there. It says, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. He says, check this out. He says, my house, my house, will be called a house of prayer. But you have made it into a den of robbers. He says, my house, this house, this church is made for worshiping God, but you are selling all kinds of stinky animals. You are robbing God. So he's saying, first and foremost, First and foremost, our house, this house, our house, our body, our mind needs to be stationary, put, foundation in prayer. It's not a house of preaching, although we need preaching, amen? This house. It's not a house of singing, sorry, sure one. It's really not a house of evangelism. Although that's important, that's why, why we're all here. But he says, first and foremost in your life. First and foremost in your life. Primo is prayer. Isn't that amazing? When you look at your prayer, 
Is it a priority in your life? That's challenging when you really think about it because it's so counterintuitive, isn't it? At least for me, maybe not for you guys, but it's so counterintuitive, it's like, okay, how does this work? But he says, it will work. Nothing's impossible with God. It needs to be first in your life. Check this scripture out. Go to Luke, verse one. I hear. Yeah, put your Bibles on notice. We're going to be going through it a little bit. About six scriptures. You guys there? One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as the John disciples taught them. Isn't it amazing? If you go through the Gospels, if you go through the Gospels, the only thing that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them was on prayer. It wasn't on miracles, although that's pretty cool, right? Wouldn't you love to do miracles? You're healed, you know, and it's just like, that would be pretty awesome. It wasn't about preaching, right? It wasn't about walking on the water, although Peter tried. But what was it about? It was about prayer. Why was that? Because Jesus' life permeated prayer. When they looked at his life, it wasn't about everything he did, but it was who he was about who he was in relationship with God. Wouldn't you say that Jesus is pretty awesome? Pretty awesome, right? When you think how awesome he is, do you think about his prayer life? I really didn't before I started setting this out. I'd be like, Jesus, come on, man. Hook me up with a miracle. Just one, so I can impress everybody. Man, teach me to preach like the Sermon on the Mount. Greatest message ever. That'd be me. But they asked Jesus. Jesus, I want a relationship with God like you have one. Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Teach me to put it first in my life. I want this kind of relationship with God. And you know, I know all of us in here do too. We want, we desire, we, we hope that somehow we can have this relationship, this vertical relationship with God, so it can permeate to our horizontal relationship with each other. Because without this, you don't have this. You with me on that? Without being connected with God, you won't be connected to the person sitting by you, even your wife or even your husband, or even your girlfriend or even the person you want to make your girlfriend or boyfriend. Preach. Right edge? Right campus? Right mature adults? Without this, you don't have that. Without, you can write that down. That was, I spent hours on that one. Without this, you don't have that. 
Patel teaches the prayer. You know, Jesus was always calling people back to him, wasn't he? He called his disciples, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. What did they do? They got out of the boats. What did he say about the rich young ruler? Hey, go leave everything you have. Give to the poor. That's a great idea. And come follow me. Make God your priority. He even called Peter back, didn't he? Peter denied him three times. He was out fishing again. Jesus says, come, feed my sheep. He was like a relationship with God. Make my house a house of prayer. Make yourself a house of prayer, Peter, rich young ruler, disciples. Make your house a house of prayer. You know, I really didn't learn this. I mean, really, the heart of it. Not to say I didn't pray. Not to say um, I didn't want this relationship with God, this intimate relationship with God. But uh, you have to have people around you to give you an example of what the Bible's really teaching. You know what I mean? It's just, it's really true. And when Toby and I came here, can I share, be open just a little bit here? I thought about this yesterday, and, and I'm not going to tear up. I'm going to try to hold my emotions back, because really, I wept yesterday when I thought about it. <clears throat> and um, I remember when we came here, we were at a crossroads. Have you guys ever been at a crossroads? You know, it's a little uncomfortable, isn't it? Kind of insecure. It's like getting, you know, getting married, you're excited, but man, what is it going to be like? You know? Maybe there's some tragic event. Someone passes away. A crossroads. We were at a crossroads. And we were like, I was just coming back to church. Toby just got baptized. And we were like, we want to go to a healthy church. So my buddy Sherwin, which I love tremendously, and that's all I'm going to say about him because I always cry when I talk about Sherwin. But uh, <clears throat> he was here, and uh, so we were praying. We made an impossible prayer list. Have you guys ever made that? Where you say, okay, only God can fulfill this, right? Only God, you know, I'm going to work for it, but only God can do this. So we made one. God, tell us where to go. We want to go to a healthy church. We want to get trained. I wanted to be back in the ministry to get trained. So we're like, okay, God, I remember looking at the list and it was like, after deciding where we were going to go, there were like four or five things that God just answered, like in a month. We were like, we're here. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get trained. I'm going to find out the formula to make a church grow. And I looked at North River, Jeff, and Tom, all these guys, all these studs, and spiritual studs, and I was like, okay. So I went into staff, right? Had a little notepad. I was still in school. And I was like, I am going to learn how to make a church grow. I thought I did before, but not really. I'm going to learn something new. So I go to staff meeting. Wednesday morning, 9.30. And I was already, and you know what they were doing? Praying. 
That's the formula, is prayer. And then I walked into the room and I'm like, hey Sherwin, Tom, didn't know Jeff, but hey Jeff, um, <clears throat> who are you guys praying for? Me. They didn't know me from Adam. We were praying for Toby too, and Ian and Amy. So I was like, wow, I haven't had people pray for me like that for a long time. And I was like, maybe that's the key I'm missing. It's not about a formula, but it's about a connection with God. And I need to lift up uh, Mr. Brown for a minute, Tom Brown. You guys know Tom? I tell you what, Tom, you have changed my life about prayer, just the idea of prayer. This guy, and I'm sure Kelly does too, but I spend more time with Tom. This guy is a man of prayer. The staff is a staff of prayer, and that's why this church is so healthy. We have problems, don't we? But we're healthy spiritually. But Tom is a man of prayer. Have you ever been with Tom? It's like, hey, you know, Tom, I just, I had this problem. And instead of saying, like I used to say, oh, I'll pray for you, bro, what Tom goes, seriously. Seriously. And he means it. He means it. Most of the meetings we have revolve around, let's do that again. Most of the meetings we have revolve around, I remember picking Tom and Kelly up about a month ago before our Generosity Sunday. And I was sharing, man, our transmission, you got edgy, you know, our transmission just went out, right? And uh, so we're going to struggle trying to get the money for Generosity Sunday. And Tom and Kelly just got back from a huge conference, probably spoke five or six times, been up about 48 hours. And you know what we did in the car? We prayed. God, please let this transmission be healed, that they don't have to spend $5,000 on it. <laughs> and whatever they get, make it free. Very specific. And you know what happened? We didn't have any more transmission problems. And we got a new computer in our car. Pretty cool, right? See, when you put prayer as a priority, God listens. Does prayer permeate your life? Think about it. The person sitting next to you, does prayer permeate? Would they say that prayer is about your life? If not, it can be. Would they say that about your life? Is your life <coughs> expressed through prayer? If not, it can be. Is your prayer life hot or cold? If it's cold, it can be hot. That's the promise. Turn your Bible to a couple more. Second Chronicles 7.14. Let's just talk about the attitude of prayer, the heart of prayer. How much time do I have to 11.30, Sherwin? Eleven twenty-five. 
Really? Let's pray. You guys have the point about prayer? Okay, let me... Are you serious, Sherwin? 11.25? All right, let's keep going. Okay. Are you guys there? Okay, verse 14. My people who are called by my name will humble themselves will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open, my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. Isn't an amazing promise that if we humble ourselves, God's eyes, God's ears, he turns his ear to you. I have a hard time getting my family to listen to me sometimes. But when I approach God with a humble heart, he turns his ear. He laser locks on me. I don't know how he does it, but it's a promise. He laser locks on you. He turns his ear to you when you pray. Go to Luke 18, verse 9. Let's see an example of a humble heart. You guys here? Got to speed it up. Come on, dude. Okay. Luke 18, verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told them this parable. Don't you love Jesus? Let's tell them a story. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you so much that I am not like the other people, like David, the robbers, the evildoers, the adulterers, or even like the tax collector. Boy, the scum of the earth. Here's a Jew taking money from the Jews given to Rome. I fast twice a week. He didn't have to. It wasn't in the Mosaic law. And give a tenth to all I get. Of all I get. But the tax collector, check this out. The tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. But beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me. I wish I could stand up here and be honest with you. I relate in my flesh to the Pharisee more than the man that beat his chest. I look down on people sometimes. You know, it's like, well, get it together, dude. You know what I mean? Or look at the car you drive. Or I make more money than you. That's what this guy was doing. And who went away justified? Not the Pharisee. The, the guy that couldn't even get into the temple. His, his conscience could not even allow him to approach this temple 
that's supposed to be a house of prayer. Couldn't even approach it. Beat his chest. I don't deserve it, but God, if you have mercy on me, I'll be really grateful. And what happened? That's the heart that we need to nurture in ourselves when we come before God. A lot of people look down on people. I've looked down on people as well. Have you? Maybe not, just me. <laughs> but I know what it's like to be looked down upon. Don't you? Doesn't feel good, does it? I remember when I was coming back to church. I remember someone saying to me, well, good luck with all that. I came back with a second marriage. It was tough. I was like, man, what am I going to do? And I just felt like, man, I don't know. I don't know. And, um, but you know, I believed that God would answer prayer. I think I had a harder time forgiving myself. You guys ever done that? Harder time forgiving yourself for doing something than really intellectually knowing that God would forgive you? That's kind of where I was. But then I started studying the scriptures. And you know, I was in good company, and I'm really talking to sinners here. Who's a sinner? Do we have any sinners here? Okay, a few, maybe two or three. But uh, I was like, I was in good company. I really was, because I started studying it out. And it said, the scripture said, Noah had a drinking problem. Moses was a murderer. You know, you know Noah, right? In the Bible? Okay. Moses, what did Moses do? Let a million people out. Pretty, pretty cool guy. Aaron made idols on the side. Samson, do I need to say more? <laughs> David. We all admire David, don't we? We all admire David, don't we? A man after God's own broke every law in the book. He lusted committed adultery, ran out of the kingdom, ran out of the Jerusalem for about 10 years, hiding in a cave. That's embarrassing. <laughs> right? You ever done that? Just hide? He did it for 10 years. And you know what? You know what happened? Oh, did I mention he murdered somebody? How can you forget that, right? Okay, who has a resume like that in here? But you know what? God used all those men. I don't care. And if you need some encouragement, I'm the guy to talk to. Because I don't care how far you have fallen. God doesn't either. I don't care. God doesn't either. How bad you've been. There is nothing impossible with God that can change your life and set you back up again. It's true. So, to close out. James 5, 16 and 17. Close out with this. 
says, um, prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. It says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Let's read that together. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and he did, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. The prayer of a righteous person, someone right with God, that's really what it means, is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. Just like you and I. Isn't that encouraging? And he prayed. He asked God to do the heavy lifting. That's what he did. He said, God, I cannot stop the rain for three years, but I know you can. What is in your life that you will be humble enough to say, I can't, but God can? We all have that in our lives. I can't, but you can. I can't, even though I'm talented enough, I can't do what God wants me to do. You with me on that? I can't change my marriage like God wants to change it. I can't change the situation with my family like God wants to change it. I can't change the situation with my kids like God can change it. I can't, but God can. Let's say that together. I can't, but God can. Do you believe that? Elijah did, and that's why God answered. It takes faith to pray. Every time we pray and God answers it, it brings God glory, not you. That's why we pray. God wants the glory. God, just please change my heart. Please help this person become a Christian. Please help this lost person to become a Christian. God, make me humble. I can't, but God can. There's two men I really admire. George Mueller. Have you ever heard of George Mueller? He was a 19th century minister, humanitarian. He started out with about 15, 20 kids, starting an orphanage in his home, living room. It grew to about 10,000 children. Pretty impressive. And this man, you can get his biography, it's about this. This man prayed. He never asked for a dime to feed the children. It's breakfast. Okay, staff. God, just please help someone to show up on the doorstep with food. You know what happened? A cart moved up tomatoes, onions, bread. God, we don't have any lunch. Let's pray, staff. You know what happened? Seconds before 12. Food. 
milk, juice, shows up. Because of his faith. Because of his faith. Have you ever heard of Charles Spurgeon? Okay. He spoke extensively about prayer. And he said, he said, you know, thousands of people would gather around to hear him speak. Esegetical messages, you would be impressed if you listen to it now on YouTube. <gasps> kind of boring, but he said a lot of good stuff. But what he did, when people came in and took him a tour, he would escort them down the stairs, escort them down the stairs, come follow me. And he says, you know where the power comes from in our church? He opens the door, they look inside, and there's about three or four hundred people on their knees, interceding for the preaching upstairs. He says, this is the powerhouse of my ministry. It can be the powerhouse of your ministry. It can continue to be the powerhouse of this church if we devote ourselves first to prayer, approaching God with a humble heart because prayer is super powerful. Amen. Love you guys.